Welcome to the podcast, Smart Ape with Tim Hathaway Green. Just kidding. <laughs> Welcome to Smart 8 Podcast, where you and I will explore the world through the stories of those who are changing it. That's right, and apologies for the introduction. I just couldn't help myself. I've got this cheesy American inside me that I just wanted to let out. So, this podcast is all about the breadth and depth. No topic is off the table. That's right. We're going to be talking about all the things that uh, take my fancy, and I'm I, I'm really going to dig into uh a whole lot of things. Think of it like a portfolio of learning, a sandpit for you and me to explore everything from the art of learning, currency, winemaking, chaos theory, and more. So how are we going to do this? Well, we've got some guests that are going to join me on the show, and we're going to explore our subject matter and wrestle with the ideas and get to grips with everything and understand how the world is forever changing. So I guess, you know, for me... Humans get a bad rap a lot of the time, and, and fair enough too. You know, we've we're not exactly the uh, the best bunch going, but Smart Ape, the podcast, wants to put humans in the spotlight. And uh, in spite of all the mistakes that we make and our failures, yeah, that's right, we make failures. We have failures. Highlight just how weird, interesting, funny, and cool we really are. So this podcast is about you and me. It's about celebrating the madness and the excitement that it is to be alive, and really all the interesting things that we get up to. So today's show, number one, numero uno. That's right, Jonathan Ewing from Bitto. That's right, Bitto.co.nz, uh, a Bitcoin pioneer who got into the game when Bitcoin costs no more than 30 cents. That's right, 30 cents. Unbelievable. He's got an interesting story, and um, yes, we dig into that, uh, but really we focus on the world of possibility that is Bitcoin. So sit back, relax. I really, really encourage you to provide feedback. And uh, just uh, one one further point before we really get into things is... Uh, until I have real sponsors for this show, there are free sponsor slots, and uh, I'm going to be choosing those sponsors, two sponsors a week, and, and uh, my two sponsors this week are Twitter.com, thank you very much, Twitter. Uh, I'm totally enthralled with Twitter at the moment, uh, it's blowing my mind, I'm sort of having a, a renaissance, if you will, of Twitter use, um, and I got kind of a, a personal kind of thing going on around how many followers I can uh, I can acquire as quickly as possible, so it's kind of a bit of a, a growth hack experiment for me. So Twitter.com, if you're not using it, get on it. It's damn cool. Um, and follow me. That's right, at Tim H. Green. Without the E on the end, yeah, I'm one of those weird guys with an E on the end of my green. So Tim H. Green, T-I-M-H-G-R-E-E-N, at Tim H. Green on Twitter. And sunrise.am, this is the coolest calendar app going. Uh, it's changed my life. It makes a calendar and making appointments, those those horrible things called meetings, that much easier. Uh, it's beautiful. It's easy to use, and it integrates across iPhone and Mac. I'm not sure about Android and PC, uh, but I'm sure they've got those bases covered. All right. 
sit back, enjoy. This one kind of meanders for the next 50 minutes, uh, but it is action-packed and thoroughly interesting. Thanks for listening. So perhaps, um, do you want to just start by kind of giving us a bit of a, a background on how you got into Bitcoin? Because you were just showing me a picture of a yacht that you you sailed around as a young man. Um, how do you go from sailing a yacht to getting into Bitcoin? And when did you get in, more importantly? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, well, I'm running a, a small tech startup right now called Bitto, and uh, that was formed about a year ago. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, consulting uh, for the government during the rebuild of Christchurch. Um, prior to that, I was in the Middle East uh, working on a sustainable development project, and prior to that, working with Meridian Energy, uh, solving algorithms around how carbon would be mitigated and sold globally. So I often refer back to like 10 years ago, I was actually doing a lot of the work, which is a precursor to exactly what I'm doing now, except the terms have changed. I'm how do you working, mean? I'm working with cryptocurrency now. Right. And I'm working with the blockchain and I'm understanding, you know, um, crypto equity as opposed to carbon equity. So for, for people that don't understand, like when we're talking like kind of the grassroots here, what is, when you say cryptocurrency, what do you mean by cryptocurrency? Uh, best way to describe it, I think, is, you know, how do you, how do you email money? Right. So um, what, digital money? Digital money, yeah. I, so can, I can convert dollars into bits and bytes and transfer them in 10 seconds anywhere in the world. Because, I mean, people would have, well, I'd say most people who have listened, who are listening to this, will have heard of Bitcoin and will know about its terrific rise and also its equally terrific or horrific fall uh, over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. Mm. Um, I, I think there's still kind of this unknown amongst people or they don't know, what is Bitcoin? I mean, what, I think... You know, I talk to my, my parents and my friends and most of them just kind of glaze over and they go, mm. oh, Bitcoin, that was that kind of that, that fad. But it's not a fad, right? Oh, not at all. Um, this is the rise of the next great technological revolution. Um, you know, partly Bitto is like Ditto. It's the same thing all over again is our metaphor. Like the rise of the internet in, in 1993, everyone was still sending faxes. And I was with a team of people developing some of the first websites. You Back know, in 93? Yeah. Right on. And What was the first website you developed? Um, crikey, I think we did some work for like ASB Bank even way really? back then and Steinlager and uh, yeah, we did a lot of like corporate stuff. So the corporates um, were jumping on the internet back then. Are the corporates jumping on Bitcoin now? Yes, indeed. Right. They're, they're actively consulting. Right. You know, um, we, we talked to a bank up in Wellington um, after the irony of having our bank account shut down by another bank, <laughs> you know, which is just the, the wild ride that we're, we're part of here. I guess but that's the thing, right? It's anything new people kind of get a bit spooked by because they don't mm. understand it. And I, I think the term that's often used right now is like we're waiting for Netscape all over again. Right. You know, Netscape. 
if you remember back in 94, 95, it was, was when the web really started to explode. That's right, because it blew it open. It, it gave us a mechanism to post content. Yeah. Uh, it's what we're waiting for now. And that's why Bitcoin's so confusing. Is there's, no, there's no major conduit for it. And that's what's causing the price, along with other things, for it to drop. Because there's some pretty major players, right? Like, knowing the limited amount that I know around mm. who's investing, like the Winklevoss twins have, have spent a lot of their Facebook payout, I'm sure, on, on buying Bitcoin. I know, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, the VC firm, have invested heavily in Coinbase. Yeah, and there's the perfect link. Yeah. Is Mark Andreessen is the, the precursor to Netscape. Yeah, right. He created Netscape, and he is pouring millions into Bitcoin startups. Um, what do you think, like, I mean, what's his hunch? Because, or is it, are we past kind of the hunch stage? Has, has Bitcoin proven that there's value beyond the currency? Oh, absolutely. Um, the blockchain, which is what all the Bitcoin transactions are put through as an open public ledger, is the key component to understand. So let's just unpack that because I think we'll, it, it's important that people understand kind of the like the foundations on what That's this right. whole thing's built on. So it's a it's an open public ledger. It's a protocol, right? So Tim Berners Lee, who created TCP/IP, yep. which is what enabled the World Wide Web to come to fruition, yeah. has said that the blockchain is the greatest protocol since TCP/IP. Right. So. That is a very powerful statement, meaning suddenly we've got a whole new platform in which to develop applications on top of. So you can build transactional mechanisms on top of the blockchain. So that word's critical, right? It's, it's all around transactions. It's recording yeah. transactions in a, in a ledger. It's recording uh, trust on a time-based ledger. Exactly. Right. Okay. So, so if we timestamp something as of right now, it's happened right now. How yeah. do you prove that? Well, you can prove it with a transaction through the blockchain. Right. And that's all that Bitcoin is. Um, Bitcoin is. Bitcoin comes into creation uh, basically every 10 minutes. Currently, there's 25 Bitcoin that are created every 10 minutes. That's part of the protocol. That's just how it works. The miners are the ones that predominantly receive that Bitcoin. They're the ones that put it into circulation. So currently we've got, um, what, there's 14.2 million Bitcoin in circulation with a current value of about $3.2 billion. That's globally. Now that's because Bitcoin right now, as of today, is sitting at $229 right. per coin. Now the fascinating thing to remember is that Bitcoin fractionalizes into eight decimal places. And that's what enables you to be able to buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin. It's not so you can do that now, right? Because I mean, what's what's a cup of coffee? Four bucks. So yeah. Really, so you're you're spending a mic bit, micro micro bitcoins. Right. Okay. Yeah, and there's the common misconception is that people don't understand how that works, and sure. so we're waiting for the applications that enable us to buy a cup of coffee with ease, you know, with the swipe of our phones. So beyond currencies. Because you, you got in early, right? You, like, when, did, when was the first time you heard about Bitcoin? Uh, 2011. Right. Yeah. And the price of Bitcoin then? Oh, it was around, well, we, we got in when it was between about 20 cents and 80 cents. And then, <laughs> but it fluctuated up. Yeah, right. You know, and did you, um, did you think like, that this was a big thing? 
over a dollar and then it was up to $30 in no time. Yeah, right. And then it was over 100. Um, and then we saw, you know, sort of April 2013 was when things really started to take off. That's right. Like when you look at the mm. graph, I think, when did it go? It, it went crazy. It, it, there was like this big spike. Was it November 2013? Um, yeah, I've got some reference here to it. But, you know, it was phenomenal, the growth that occurred. Uh, and what I do you think caused that? What caused it? I yeah. think people latched on to the fact that it was, um, it was possible to transfer value. And they, they saw that as a medium. So, so, so we regularly saw, for instance, in analysing the blockchain, transactions travelling in and out of New Zealand or even in and out of Christchurch for over a million dollars you know, wow. in, in 2013. People were actively trading right. um, large sums of money. Um, but again, it's all in bits. So it's hard to define it as a commodity or as a property value or, you know, it's so grey. What, what actually is it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, ultimately, it, it's just a, it's a medium that marks a transaction, right? So it's, you know, one, one bit is exchanged. I can, it's, it's the purpose of that exchange is to mark a particular transaction, a trade of value, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's just, it's been in, in a position to understand how this works and understanding that through mining, you can actually create something out of nothing. So invest in mining hardware, which is running an international algorithm which crunches Bitcoin transactions, be rewarded in Bitcoin. And in our case, when we had our office in Auckland, we were running Bitcoin miners in the office, which were creating enough Bitcoin to pay our rent. <laughs> because that so Bitcoin... I think is, is that another point where people get a little unstuck? Is they go, well, how can you create value from nothing? How does, how does that work? Well, it goes back to how the banks do exactly that with fractional reserve banking. Right. And, and look at that as one of the biggest frauds ever perpetrated on the people, the global populace. I mean, Is it a fraud or is it essentially... Well, I should, I should use that term very cautiously, but in, in, in my mind it is. Is, um, it, is, it any, is it essentially the same thing as what is happening with, with Bitcoin? Essentially the banks are creating value by printing money, leveraging mm. essentially a position. That's right. Right. That's how it could be viewed. You know, right. that's, that's what a mortgage is. You know, the banks, I think, only need a fraction of what they actually lend you. <laughs> right. So someone's having to create value somewhere in order to extend that credit. Yeah, but that, this is where Bitcoin is such a marvel, you know, and Satoshi Nakamoto, who created this, and brought it to fruition for us to use. Um, he's slated for the Nobel Prize, you know, but they'll never find him or the group of people that created it. But right. it's certainly so that whole mystery is also something I think because one, it's complicated, it's it's technical, and most people don't get technical yet. You know, mm. we're still kind of early on in the kind of the tech revolution, mm. and and because the person that created it you can't point to them they're not standing on the stage saying hey it was me you know i think it just leaves people going huh yeah that's right so what do you think it's going to take to kind of flip the switch for the majority of people because it's it's, a, it's still very much a nascent minority 
even though there's some high profile people that get it and are mm-hmm. backing it, mm-hmm. which again is very similar to the way the internet emerged. Mm. What's it going to take to like flip it? You, you talk about like Netscape. Well, who's yep. going to be the Netscape of Bitcoin? Well, if you talk to some of those people that are in the investment space, uh, like 21 Inc, for instance, who just in the last couple of weeks have raised 116 million in venture capital. This US dollars. US dollars. Right. What, what is the model behind 21 Inc? Micro mining. Every, everyone's cell phone will be mining in one, some way, shape or form. They'll be, they right. might not necessarily be mining Bitcoin, but they'll be mining a type of currency which can be used as a credit transfer. Uh, you talk to Bitfury, who have, who have just announced that they've, they've actually figured out how to put a mining solution into a light bulb. So what? How does that work? I mean, so this is you just have to have the light. Internet of Things. That's right? right. You just have to have the light on, and there's a value proposition there because that light bulb could be connected to a Wi-Fi connection, which is pulling down data to process something. <laughs> it's just so obscure that we can't even fathom right. the, the method in which this is occurring. Um, right. So this is again like making use of technology around distributed computing. Case in point. Can you hear that? Yeah. What is that? So that is a Bitcoin transaction converted into a sound wave file that can right. be broadcast. Now, if you're a progressive band, you could be actually giving $5 off the latest MP3 download to all your fans in an audience using something as simple as that. Yeah, right. Because they can all be holding up their cell phones to receive that transmission, which can be credited on the MP3 download. Now, that's just a, that's just a mechanism to transfer a value. Yeah. That is pre-assigned, but is distributed via sound files. Um, huge value in that. That's what we're going to start to see at concerts and venues or in big public places. The transference of, of, of value over a mechanism that we take for granted, such as sound. Right. So I was given the opportunity to hear Andreas Antonopoulos speak. He is one of the foremost um, proponents on Bitcoin, and he was demonstrating how you could transfer value in six emoticons using a cell phone. You know emoticons, the little smileys and things? So he showed us how you could embed thousands of dollars into an emoticon and just transmit that as a smiley right you know it's just we can't comprehend how where all this is going but and the real power is it's distributed right so no one can control the ledger is that right is that really what people are excited about because you know people that are listening might be saying well i mean there's already ledgers out there you know my, my bank has got a ledger which is used for exchanging value but it's not an open public ledger right and that's this, this the is, difference this is the difference it's a bitcoin is a decentralized um, network which runs this ledger so anyone can download bitcoin qt which basically will give you access to all the transactions that have occurred so you can analyze anything that's been through that ledger and this can't be tampered with and through the purposes of mining that's how it's verified so right. there is no double spend and there's no opportunity for things to be hacked or broken you know bitcoin's six years old now and nothing's happened to the protocol mm. we've had some bad actors like 
Mount Gox going down, that was like the equivalent of, say, Hotmail going down, and you lose all your email, but you just switch over to Gmail. It does nothing to the internet as right. such. So, you know, so it's incredibly, I mean, there's that, you might have read a book called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and you know, he talks about the, the concept of, of systems being either fragile, resilient, or anti-fragile. And it mm. strikes me that the more you throw at Bitcoin, it, it's, it can kind of morph and, and change and, and adapt to essentially the changing times. It's, it's very agile as a kind of a, as a system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is where it's already pre-programmed to adapt to those changing times. Right. Case in point being the fact that it's going to become more and more of a rare commodity in that every four years, the algorithm automatically halves the payout to all the miners. So currently, every 10 minutes, they're getting 25 Bitcoin. In, uh, I think it's going to be around July next year of 2016, it will halve to 12.5. Right. And four years after that, it will halve again. So what's the incentive, let's say in 100 years' time, to keep mining Bitcoin? To keep Because mining is required to keep the system running, right? Yes. And we're currently at just over 14 million that are in circulation right. out of a total pool of 21 million. So now, what's the incentive? As it gets harder, are there other ways to make money? Well, the, the use of it, uh, as the applications start to develop, will see that, it's, yes, it will become a, a hugely valuable commodity. So I mean, you talk to, to someone like um, Mr. Draper, who, who was the winner of uh, the government, the U.S. government Federal Reserve auction of the confiscated Bitcoin from Silk Road. Right. There's an oxymoron in that itself. Yeah. yeah. The government is actually selling off all the confiscated Bitcoin that they took from this drug right. runner who is now sentenced to life in prison. <laughs> they took all his Bitcoin and auctioned it off. Right. And Mr. Draper ended up buying it at around just over $600 per coin, but he spent about $30 million. And what's he doing? Well, he's he said it's going to be worth $10,000 per coin in a couple of years. Right. You know, so there's his business model, right. and there's a lot of people backing him. Right. And when you talk to the guys at Coinbase, you know, I've got a friend in Auckland who's gone to work for Coinbase, and he said... And Coinbase is a... A, a big Bitcoin. wallet provider. Right. Okay, so a wallet. Do you want to just explain what a wallet yeah, is Yeah, a wallet, a method, a place to keep your Bitcoin okay. and be able to transact it. So you run a Coinbase wallet, for instance, on your cell phone. So it's what, the equivalent of a bank account? You know, like mobile banking, I can go in there and yeah, you know, it's, spend it's, some money? It's like a mobile bank account. Right. You know, that's one way of looking at it. Okay. Um, they manage solutions. They take a cut on every transaction. There's a very robust business model around... Uh, running wallet-based companies. Right. So, um, you know, he, he emailed me the other day and said, look, we're looking for another 63 engineers because we've just closed another 25 million, you know, in venture capital. Right. This is out of San Francisco. This is where the heart of all the development's been done. So this is all happening under the radar because, again, I think most people's perception is that Bitcoin's dead. You know, it was a fad that kind of came out of nowhere and has, has since disappeared. And But... It, from what you were saying, it's definitely not the case. Oh, no, on the contrary. I mean, um, some of the biggest Bitcoin mining operations, um, like we're seeing up in Sweden and Iceland, 
they're, they're closing more camp venture capital than you can you can imagine. You know, so and what what is it? Because it, surely people are seeing value beyond the potential capital gains and the use of it as a currency. And perhaps you know because I know what you you're doing with Bitto and some of the ideas that you've got, they're not currency based, right? You're not looking to to use the blockchain to primarily you know exchange currency. What are you what are you looking to do? Yeah, I mean currently we're working on a, a large logistics project uh, for a major commodity exporter. Right. You know they they happen to be shipping carcasses of meat around the world. So what's Bitcoin got, got to, to do, do with, with them? With them. exactly. <laughs> Well, this is where Fonterra should be looking at these type of crypto equity trading mechanisms right. to provide a w- way more robust mechanism to transparency, for one. I mean, the blockchain allows exactly that. But in, in the case of um, the, this proposition that we're working on, it enables timestamping. It enables um, the transaction to be verified in a, in a global public ledger as opposed to a singular government-based ledger. Right. So, document, so what, what documentation. What does the business see in that? I mean, what what do users see the value in, in having that open public timestamp? Well, um, you know, how what does it take to actually analyse the process of having a container that arrives in Hong Kong and has to sit on a dock for how long before it's processed? Right. Just because the paperwork's held up. Right. So essentially, it allows huge efficiencies in the way that. The administration of these of logistics gets logistics, done. yeah. Gotcha. When something's time stamped and within ten minutes it's distributed to over two hundred and twenty million computers plus in the world, right? Which can be instantly verified, you know, using any access point, um, and and confirmed as exactly that. It right, changes so the whole logistics yeah, I get that. game. So if it's you, not me it, sending an email to you and you trusting me actually no this is independently verified that this transaction has taken place absolutely and right. if that's if that's coupled with a ledger uh, payment mechanism and it's definitely not dollars it's one of over a thousand cryptocurrencies that we could be using right now right because you and, and I can and, go and, and start a cryptocurrency now right that's right and last count there's over a thousand that are you know popping up or in use but certainly there's a core of probably about 60 that are very robust and very trustworthy and right. that means that basically we can switch into a currency on the fly to do a transaction and then switch back to another currency so but not have to pay any transaction charges or fees or be embroiled with any of these large companies like western union who for one have dominated the remittance market the yeah, remittance right. market's going to change fundamentally in the next couple of years as, as the tool sets arrive for workers to be able to transmit money uh, as simple as they transmit an email. Right, right. So I, I guess that, again, to just focus on the, the currencies, what, what's the value in having all these different currencies? Uh, do, do you see, I mean, will a currency have a particular use? Like will there be a, a logistics currency so that becomes the logistics ledger, you know, so like a, you know, again, like proof of property transaction, there'll be a currency that's used for property transactions. That's right. Um, exactly that. That's what they're calling smart transactions. Right. You'll do the conveyancing for your house in 2020 using the blockchain. 
Right. So That's you, almost you... irrefutable. I mean, there's, okay. there's smart lawyers, <laughs> you know, uh, again, that are, that are helping people understand how to do that type of transaction. People have uh, lodged their marriage vows into the blockchain as a proof that they actually got married. You know, so if you're in New York and you want to prove to a customs officer that you, yes, were married, they'll look it up in the blockchain. Right. So again, from an accreditation point of view, from, you know, like university degrees through to blood type, through to anything that proves you, I mean, I think you and I have talked about someone's proof of life or they've put yeah. the DNA, DNA into the blockchain. DNA that proved that they existed. Um, proof of existence. Proof of existence. We've been right. working with, um, you know, time stamping and then connecting that up to a small piece of code that enables unlocking of something which can be connected to the new, you know, Abloy digital locks. So all you need is, is to swipe your cell phone and the door will open because it's picked up on your verification from the blockchain, you know, which you could be using via somebody else's cell phone, for instance, if you lost your phone. So if we try and summarize just at this point, essentially the blockchain allows me to, to transact value with information attached at a point in time. So there's can be, there can be proof of exchange of value for coupled with a piece of information that kind of explains what that transaction was. That's right. Right. And that's what's occurring with the mining process. This is why it's critical that mining carries on. Right. It's called um, announcing a hash. It's the, the ability to actually, um, through the SHA-256 algorithm, prove that something wasn't produced somewhere else and therefore authorize that and then stamp it with a time and then it's on to the next block. So those blocks are then passed into the transactional ledger and available for, for use, for searching, for application integration. I mean, it's a hugely exciting time for the development of, of these new, new algorithms, yeah, new right. services. Um, it's just, yeah, like you said, we're in a bit of a backwater here when you don't hear about it much now, which is exactly what the media want. It's, it's meant to be hidden away whilst they grapple with it. You know, whilst yeah. they figure out how to shut it down. Uh, but it's a protocol. So like the internet, it can't be shut down. It's only going to be the on-ramps and off-ramps that suffer any sort of uh, degradation, where there'll be maybe payment gateways to access portions of it. So, I mean, you, you, you seem incredibly knowledgeable about all this stuff. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like you're, you're backing Bitcoin as kind of, is where you're going to be spending a lot of your time in the next wee while is is that right is i mean do you do you see this as a worthwhile place to invest time and energy and in, in determining and helping to shape the future of, of bitcoin yeah oh absolutely indeed well i mean last year we we closed venture capital um from a, a u.s uh, venture capitalist which was hugely exciting we've, right. we've seen highs and lows of um, you know, having funds to develop concepts, uh, we've seen the ineptitude of, of the authorities to actually provide us a, a sandpit to play in the case of our bank accounts being shut down, you know, for, for what reason? Only because we're associated with the Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> and, and again, it, it's, 
It seems to me it, it's because it's misunderstood. And I, I mean, there's long precedent for this throughout society that when something is misunderstood, it's it's made illegal or it's that's right. You know, it's marginalised. So what's it what's it going to take for government to get this? I mean, is it a case of building quietly successes? You know, successes with Bitcoin, and then you can hold it up and say this is a huge economic return for the country. That's right. Now, now I mean, let's and let's get this. In in Europe, especially, there's banks that are investing in Bitcoin companies, so they start right. to understand it. So they can offer what will be Bitcoin-based bank accounts. I mean, there's already surveys coming out that are saying most of the youth of today aren't going to need a bank. You know, they'll just need a transaction conveyance mechanism, which will be which could be a, a, a type of cryptocurrency. I mean, we've done tests with 10-year-olds using Bitcoin accounts. And within 10 minutes, you can explain how you can transfer five cents between accounts. And then it's incredibly easy, right? And then when you receive it back, you've got six cents. So suddenly they've learned about interest. Right. And they're able to actually pass money around the classroom like they do, like we used to pass marbles around in the playground. So to me, it feels like cryptocurrencies are are far more representative of what money, as we kind of currently know it, i.e. cash, is actually today. I mean, cash has just been digitized, right? But yeah. it's been digitized on top of a, an old way of thinking or a legacy system and set of processes. But cryptocurrency says, well, to hell with that. We're getting rid of all the legacy and we're starting afresh to what a true digital currency should be. Correct, yeah. And we're able to use it today to actually purchase real product. Right. And more and more people, like the rise of e-commerce, enabled people to use their credit card to pay for things using the internet. Remember when that was a startling reality? Yeah. Today we're able to use the internet and do bit commerce and integrate the back end of e-commerce websites to accept different types of cryptocurrency. Wow. And uh, you know that's hugely exciting. Yeah. And I think I pointed out to you the fact that I've, I've just received my, my first Visa Bitcoin debit card. Right, so Visa's in on this whole thing. Oh, Visa are doing a lot of research and analysis. So, you know, I've got a Visa card that's issued out of Gibraltar that I can top up with Bitcoin that I mine and use that Visa card to buy coffee or lunch or rent a car. I, fl- I flew up to Auckland the other week and I paid with Bitcoin. How did I do that? I used the travel agency out of Lithuania that did the transactional processing using the Galileo network. What's the Galileo oh, network? Oh, the big global booking system. Right, okay. So They've written okay. an API to tap into that. Right. So I'm able to pay them in Bitcoin. And I subsequently got a seat that was about $40 cheaper than Air New Zealand were offering on their website at that time. <laughs> was that because you were using Bitcoin or was that... Just it just so happened to be it just so happened to be right. like that. But there's a lot of instances like that. I mean, I I stay at Ridges in Wellington. I pay in Bitcoin. I use Expedia. Expedia accept Bitcoin. They pay Ridges in dollars. Yeah, it's a, it's just a it's just a lovely. Transfer. So really, I mean, I think there'll be people walking around out there going totally oblivious to what the infrastructure that's being laid down at the moment to enable this new way of transacting. Yeah, here's a case in point we were talking about the other day. Um, Given that you can pay somebody five cents 
uh, every five minutes for the next 50 days. That's, that's totally programmable, right? Totally. You know, you can, you can do that. Now imagine if you hook that up to a smart watch, like the new Apple Watch, right. which senses your heart rate monitor statistics. Yeah. Now if that's linked up to an insurance company, a smart insurance company, that says the healthier you are, the cheaper your premiums are, you can pay them in real time. So if you have a lazy weekend and you've been drinking and you know your heart rate goes up, your premiums will go up. But they'll fall back down after you've been to the gym a couple of times the next week. So you're essentially paying. <laughs> That's funny, Jonathan. You're you're paying. You can essentially pay for your your premiums and micro bitcoins in real time. Yeah, absolutely. According to how fit and healthy you so, are. So every second has got a different price on it. Theoretically, yeah, totally. It can be done. That's Th- this, this can be done right now. Proof of movement's another wonderful thing. You just have to move around to start earning credits. There's a company out of Israel that's that's put out uh, a series of API technologies, programming technologies that can be integrated with things. Now, that's a sitter for big transport companies that have trucks on the road all the time. Mm. They could be earning credits that could be paying for their ruck, for their road user charges, right? Right. So the more they travel, the more credits they earn. Now, what's the trade-off for those credits? Well, the company that's selling them those credits knows where that truck is. So it's kind of like it already happens now with Google. Mm. Google pretty much know whenever you access your email and where you access it from, and they channel ads to that. So you know, when I was up in Hong Kong recently, I was getting ads on my Google Mail that were specific to hotels in Hong Kong and restaurants in Hong Kong, because they knew the IP address where I was. Right. right? Yeah. Similarly, they actually read your mail and they target ads to you specific to what you're writing. Right. So what's wrong with a trucking company selling its time to a company in Israel that can provide them with a credit mechanism as long as they know where those trucks are traveling? Because from that, they can do some phenomenal big data analytics. Take that and scale it up to trucking in, in the US or Europe or China. And you've got a hugely dynamic network, automated toll systems, you know? So a lot of the kind of, the, again, it feels like Bitcoin has the potential to accelerate the way that we, we kind of make sense of time and, you know, and activity in, at a point in time. That's right. Um, to, to the point that a lot of infrastructure that's being deployed at the moment, like take the tolling, for example, doing tolling is an incredibly expensive exercise to administer. I mean, you can essentially get rid of a lot of that infrastructure because of what you're talking about. That's right. Wow. I mean, there's, there's instances all over the place that you just have to apply this type of technology to. But, you know, look at the rise of IPTV in New Zealand. I'm using Sky Neon, but I'm still using a credit card to pay for that. I should have at least have the option of doing a Bitcoin transaction with them. I mean, this is where Slingshot have started accepting Bitcoin payments for internet activity or provision. Right. It's not going to be long before Spark jump onto this and realize the opportunities here um, that we could be advancing New Zealand's you know, technical infrastructure just by harnessing 
what's already available. So I mean, look, and we're pretty much freely available. This is a freebie for for Spark, but if if you were going to give in a one piece of advice to Spark, you know what what would be one of the initial benefits of them investing in understanding Bitcoin? Um, well, it, it, again, it will come back to IP protocols and um, micro payment mechanisms and the integration into potential billing systems. Right. So, for instance, you know, everything that can be categorized to the second can be commoditized using a type of cryptocurrency. So, you know, I shouldn't have to transfer any, any dollars as such. I could be transferring something that they could be using to further their network in a digital sense. Right. You can see where I'm going with that. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's plenty of kind of paint to throw in the picture to kind of flesh that out, but I, I get I've, it. I've already seen that there was a guy in Sydney who had the first adhesive SIM cards. So you actually attached an adhesive SIM card onto the back of your current SIM, and those two SIMs talked to one another, and they were basically like offering a wallet service. So through this stick-on micro SIM, you could have credit attached to it which right. could be used as a, as a virtual wallet to do transactions over the internet, but paying in a cryptocurrency. That's extremely powerful. I think look, a lot of this stuff is going to go over people's heads because <laughs> it's kind of going over mine. But I mean, if we, if we just kind of just touch back on what you're doing um, and kind of what you see happening in the next 12 months, you know, what... How do you see the next 12 months playing out for you and, 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 and for the space generally? Well, yeah, I mean, it's changed. It's changing so rapidly. And, and to be fair, we didn't think we'd be at this price point with the, with the Bitcoin that being around 220. You know, it's predicted that it was meant to be around 5,000. So something's caused that to, to wane. Um, maybe Loss of confidence? Potentially, yeah. I mean, there's multiple factors that, that have that have really weighed in here. Um, Do you think it's a good thing? Like, I mean, is it because, like, like all good systems, you know, it has to essentially regather, regroup, right. and mature to then grow again, right? Precisely. And this is probably a good thing in that the the companies that are serious about this are truly developing the the right applications, as opposed to say being in the dot com era. Right. When, when the internet was booming just because all the money the was hype. going into the hype of a dot-com yeah. startup and a lot of those business propositions were completely flawed. So, so if, we, if we use that analogy or, or the parallel with the internet in terms of the timescales, the internet was kind of born in a public sense, let's say 94. Mm. It wasn't until six years later that we had the dot-com boom and, and subsequent bust and then it really wasn't again until 2003-2004 that we have, we saw kind of the, the rise of what I would you know, the web 2.0 or the, the mm. companies that essentially laid down the, the foundation upon which we, mm. we use the internet today so in Bitcoin time it feels like Bitcoin's somewhat accelerated you know in terms of that, that path or that profile and therefore, if it continues, and it's followed the same sort of pattern, right, as, as the internet, the rise of the internet. It, the internet rose and crashed. Bitcoin's risen and, and crashed. 
That's right. So it's a, is it inevitable that it will rise again? Oh, without a doubt. I've, I've got every confidence in, in what it is. Um, it's, it's truly revolutionary. And you know, if you look at Venture Scanner, for instance, a company which tracks the rise of companies, I mean, I'm looking Venture at- Venture what's Scanner, the, what's the domain? Um, VentureScanner.com out of San Francisco. I mean, okay. they've got, at last count, over 500 companies in right. the Bitcoin space. Okay. 255 million. I mean, that's going to be up over 350 million by now for sure. Um, this is this is dollars invested into in Bitcoin specifically space. into Bitcoin companies. Um, we've got the big exchanges. You know, exchanges are, are changing rapidly, and right. that is where people trade Bitcoin. Um, to me, it feels like the tipping point will be when, because we've seen some big name companies hmm. say, "Yes, we accept Bitcoin." Right? Has Amazon accepted, or is eBay? What's the big online store that said, "Yes, we accept Bitcoin"? I remember seeing something last year. Yeah, it's it's more like those companies have done deals with the likes of um, BitPay, which is like the new PayPal. Right. So it depends how BitPay have forged into the big corporate arenas, and it's when BitPay convinces a big player to accept Bitcoin through the BitPay gateway. Mm. That's how it's generally happening. Um, we've seen small-scale BitCommerce here. I mean, we had, Zealand? we had early success with a, with a winery that started accepting Bitcoin. Right. Um, you know, they didn't ne- necessarily need to understand it, but they had a logistics setup where they had a warehouse in San Francisco. What's were, the winery called? They were able to sell the wine, Pyramid Valley wines, okay. vineyards. They were able to sell the wine in San Francisco, receive the Bitcoin payment via the BitPay gateway, have that transferred into US dollars overnight, or hold some Bitcoin, and then ship the wine within 24 hours anywhere in the States. Now that's from a North Canterbury winery, and that's truly global scale you know, commerce right. to this day. So again, like pulling all the administration friction away and, and like it feels like bitcoins have potential to remove a lot of the bureau the bureaucracy of, of just doing business oh absolutely i mean more and more people are going to start accepting um, bitcoin or a type of cryptocurrency as a payment for service now how what are the tax implications around that there's going to have to be a, a, an automated uh, division to pay your taxes automatically meaning that IRD are already over this. I mean, we've seen the new... Are they part of their $1.5 billion spend on, on the new system? Do you think they're taking into account Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Possibly not at this, <laughs> this stage. <laughs> but certainly um, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand are across it. Right. Um, we've had some major advocates uh, of Bitcoin in New Zealand recently talking about how New Zealand could be the forerunner and you know, leading edge. Uh, of technology in the space if we really applied ourselves right mm. so is there a dark side to bitcoin or cryptocurrency is there an underbelly well, to certainly it nefarious um, in in many senses that it's pseudo anonymous right and that is it can be cloaked and um, it can be splintered for instance you can send micro transactions to one person via 300 different conduits right you know, kind of like, like giving somebody payment for, for a car in, in 10 cent pieces. 
you know, so, I mean, just look at them and they go, well, what do I do with all these 10 cents? Well, in, in cryptographic terms, you can send that 10 cents via a different conduit. And when it arrives at the person, it's collectively all joined back together as a sum total of, say, $15,000. Wow. Now, try and track all that and monitor that. That's where the confusion's arising. And that's where the new types of analysis are going to have to come into play to try and track those type of transactions. So Bitcoin's going to force a lot of innovation. It's, it's, Absolutely. You know, it has to. Otherwise, people are going to be left behind. What I'm fascinated, Jonathan, is with the rise of these new technologies is essentially it, you, you've got two choices. You either choose to adopt and, and go on the journey or you get left behind. And I wonder whether countries or communities that are seen as developed and advanced in 2015 in 10, 15 years' time will actually be the, the new poor or the new developing communities or nations of the world because, you know, the likes of India and China and, you know, the developing nations are essentially, they don't have any of the legacy infrastructure that we have to deal with or the legacy thinking. They're just going, mm. hey, Bitcoin, let's, let's use that. Let's accelerate. Well, case in point, uh, in, in South Africa right now, or Africa in general, they have what they call M-Pesa 2. Right. M-Pesa has been running for years with great success. It's basically it's like an SMS? It's an SMS method of transferring value. So right. I'm, I've got you know 60 potatoes for sale and somebody at the market wants to buy them, you can do it over SMS and you can receive payment. Mm-hmm. Now they've got M-Pesa 2, which is actually using the Bitcoin protocol to do all the the validation of the transfer cool and you can still sell 60 potatoes out of somewhere out the back of uganda you know with somebody else and receive a payment or a credit right so do you think that's possible i mean could we see nations fall away because they've failed to see the opportunity that comes with bitcoin you oh, know, like the tables get turned absolutely go and talk to anyone in cyprus Practically everyone in Cyprus has heard about Bitcoin because some of the, the new protocols, new applications started popping up there. Nobody trusted banks because the banks took the money, mm. you know, closed people's accounts. There was chaos in, in uh, Cyprus there. Similarly in Iceland, they've suffered uh, huge setbacks and have had to completely look at their monetary systems. Greece, there's another one looking at different ways of using uh, value outside of the, the global monetary system. It's interesting. So, again, because another kind of interest of mine is the, the power of disaster to drive innovation and change and essentially forcing people to relook and and think about, well, what next? How do we avoid this again? Yeah, I mean... Again, case in point, up in Kathmandu, uh, only some months ago when the earthquake occurred, there was uh, a company that was starting to immediately map some of the disaster relief efforts and figure out how to provide an overlay to enable people to pay for the transfer of that value. So there was no way to, like, the banks were wiped out. There was no way to get money, but you still needed to buy water and you still needed food. So you just needed a method to be able to transfer 
a value between people. Bitcoin was it. And they had access to satellite phones, and in a lot of cases, you know, some of the networks were very rudimentary. Um, and there were some isolated incidences where that was proven to be of, of great value. Right. Hmm. So where can people find more about you? Because it's late and we need to wrap up. Um, but I really want to do this again or unpack this in kind of the wider context of, of currency because it seems like Bitcoin is kingpin or it, it will be in the future. We're currently operating under bitto.co.nz, just B-I-T-T-O dot C-O dot N-Z. Um, we run isolated and uh, various servers in different locations specific to uh, some of our cloud mining activities. Um, but yeah, certainly we, you can contact us through that. Uh, we're open to a consultation. We're always looking for team players. It's a, it's a growing ecosystem. What is, I mean, what is the one resource that you, you need more of in the ecosystem? I mean, you mentioned 63 developers this, this one company was looking for. Is, are there uh, other developers there? Yeah, they're mostly like software developers, but certainly they come from engineering backgrounds that utilize all the common um, application sources and right. coding algorithms. Right. Um, certainly anyone you know, with C++ and Perl, Ruby, um, understanding development uh, methodologies around how Scrum works and you know, just good progressive un- understanding of uh, web development really sets you up well to climb into this whole new world of cryptocurrency and and dealing with distributed ledgers and programming something that can run via an API. You know, it's, um, it's hugely exciting times. And then the diverse industries which people can come to, like we were at a Bitcoin conference re- recently and there were so many lawyers there that were just grasping at the straws of what this technology meant for law. Mm. Um, and I mean around smart property and around right. how assets can be, can be um, yeah, transferred. Right. Well, Jonathan, yeah. this has been fun, man. Thank you. It's been cool. It's been longer than I thought it would go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. listening to smarty with tim hathley green you can find out more about what tim's up to on the twitter at tim h green that's t-i-m-h-g-r-e-e-n or at start54.com thanks for listening and have an awesome day